0: Well, thank you, worship team, for those songs, and uh, they definitely uh, prepare our hearts to receive God's word this morning, as you will come to know here shortly. So take your Bibles and turn to Habakkuk 3, Habakkuk chapter 3. This is the last of the messages from Habakkuk. So once again, it's five books from the end of the Old Testament after Nahum. And this is the third in our series on the third chapter, entitled, I Will Honor You, Lord. And certainly that is the case throughout the third chapter of Habakkuk. Habakkuk chapter 3. A pastor once asked his congregation these questions. And so I think it's important for me to share these same questions with you as we introduce ourselves to this passage of Scripture. He said, if the United States was invaded and conquered by a foreign power in your lifetime, how would that affect your faith in God? Is your faith strong enough to stand up to that kind of a trial? Could you still rejoice in the Lord if you lost everything? Your job, your home, your family, your freedom. Is your faith strong enough to trust God no matter what? Wow, those are significant questions to ask ourselves. Well, I want you to notice how the prophet responded when he knew that his world was going to be upended, when it was going to be invaded. Look with me at verses 16 to 19 of Habakkuk 3. I heard, and my inward parts trembled. At the sound, my lips quivered. Decay enters my bones, and in my place I tremble, because I must wait quietly for the day of distress, for the people to arise who will invade us. Though the fig tree should not blossom, and there be no fruit on the vines. Though the yield of the olive should fail, and the fields produce no food. Though the flock should be cut off from the fold, and there be no cattle in the stalls. Yet I will exult in the Lord. I will rejoice in the God of my salvation. The Lord God is my strength, and He has made my feet like hinds feet, and makes me walk On my high places. And may God add his blessing to reading of that portion of Scripture. This text is really an extension of verse 2, with a parenthetical prayer in between. Look with me back at verse 2, the first part where it says, Lord, I have heard the report about you, or your report, and I fear, or, and your work, O Lord, I fear. And then you can quickly right jump to verse 16, where it says, "And I heard my inward parts tremble. At the sound, my lips quivered, decay enters my bones, and in my place I tremble." And so Habakkuk's reflection upon God and what he was going to do, as we see in chapters one and two, followed by his rehearsal through prayer at what God had done in verses three to 15 reinforced his fear of God. And sure, indeed, it had physical symptoms. And yet it had spiritual ramifications. Again, the reason I believe that this is speaking more to a fear of God rather than to a natural fear, which, by the way, there are commentators which speak to that, is because of the prophet's response in this text that we just read. Essentially, what we have in this passage is Habakkuk's full commitment to the will and purposes of God. A full commitment of heart. Now, I don't believe this was the case when this prophecy started out. But it certainly is at the end of this prophecy. It recalls and highlights what Yahweh said in chapter 2, verse 4. That wonderful verse, which is the theme verse of Habakkuk. Behold, as for the proud one, his soul is not right within him, but the righteous will live by his faith. The righteous will live by his faith. And verses 16 to 19, the closing words of this book is a demonstration of that faith. As Wiersbe pointed out, this is one of the greatest confessions of faith found anywhere in Scripture. And I would agree. And so what about you, Beloved? Especially through this past year's ordeal. Would you say it was a full commitment of heart to the plan and purposes of God? That's a significant question to ask ourselves. I mean, everything that took place was under his sovereign plan. Right? Right? There we go. Yes, absolutely. Everything that has taken place and will continue to take place is under his sovereign control. It's in his sovereign plan. And you know, maybe you didn't begin so strong, but you have ended well, so to speak. Praise the Lord. Amen and amen to that. But maybe some of you still need some work. Okay, I get that. Last week, through the prayer, we focused on the greatness and glory of God to encourage us. We were looking at that adoration in prayer. And so our hearts were focused on His glory. And so this week, I want you to consider with me three characteristics of a believer fully committed to the plan and will of God. And I trust that it will bring you further along in your faith. As I said a moment ago, maybe you still need some work, okay? Well, I believe this message will continue to encourage and strengthen and build you up for God's glory. And So let's look at these three characteristics. The first one is seen there in the second half of verse 16. Look what he goes on to say here. Because I must wait quietly for the day of distress for the people to arise who will invade us. What do you notice there? A believer fully committed to the will of God is characterized by patience. By patience. Habakkuk said, I must wait quietly. That is to rest in the Lord. To fulfill his plan. You see, the plan was definitely for Yahweh to righteously deal with the Babylonians. That is stated in chapter 1. And basically all of chapter 2 is devoted to that. But in the meantime... He would use them, that is the Babylonians, to carry out his chastening hand upon Judah. In fact, I think it's interesting how the ESV translates this part of verse 16, the second half. Listen to this, because there is a difference from the NASB. It says this, Yet I will quietly wait for the day of trouble, To come upon the people who will invade us. You see, when you read that passage in the NASB, the emphasis is upon Judah. But when you read it, according to the ESB, which is an accurate rendering of the Hebrew text, the emphasis is on the Babylonians. I want you to look with me at chapter 1 and verse 11. What it says there. And again... Habakkuk complained at the beginning of this book. And God came back and said, you know what? I am doing something. But it's not what you expect. And he tells them that the Babylonians are going to come in and bring chastening. But then he says this in verse 11. That is God to Habakkuk. Then they will sweep through like the wind and pass on. But they will be held guilty, they whose strength is their God. Speaking of the Babylonians. Now, look with me at verse 3 of chapter 2. For the vision is yet for the appointed time. It hastens toward the goal, and it will not fail. Though it tarries, wait for it, for it will certainly come. It will not delay. And then verse 4. Behold, as for the proud one, his soul is not right within him. And then in the rest of chapter 2, there are these five woes of judgment coming upon the Babylonians that's all in his heart and mind as he enters chapter 3. Interestingly, what is said there isn't going to happen for another 70 years. I mean, that's a lifetime for most of us. But for God, it's a blink of the eye. <laughs> and it's here. But again, the prophet said what? I will quietly Wait upon you, O Lord. Be patient, resting in the plan of God. Listen to these words which David, the psalmist, said in Psalm 37, verses 7 to 9. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for Him. Do not fret because of Him who prospers in His way, because of the man who carries out wicked schemes. Cease from anger and forsake wrath. Do not fret. It only leads to evil doing. For evil doers will be cut off. But those who wait for the Lord will inherit the land. Amen and amen. We were singing about that this morning, were we not? I will wait for you. I will wait for you. We sing it with our lips. But do we believe that in our hearts? How could Habakkuk be patient... Through the storm of Yahweh's judgment that was to come. I mean, wow. It's very simple. It's remembering the promise or promises of God. You see, he had promised, yes, that there would be judgment upon Judah, but also to the Babylonians. And the stress in this passage is to the Babylonians. That was the promise. And he's basically saying to Habakkuk, (laughs) wait for my plan. And what did Habakkuk do? I will. I will wait quietly. I will wait upon you. You see, we considered this last week, didn't we? About the promises of God and how important they are. Yes, they lead us to wait upon the Lord, to be patient with him. Because his timing is perfect. God never lies. He keeps his word. Amen? So therefore, no matter what you are encountering or how you might feel today, you can depend upon God's word to carry you through it all to the other side. God is going to be faithful to himself and to you. Romans 8.28, right? Right? God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. God causes all things. And in that context, the things that he is doing in our lives is being used to prepare us for eternity. Preparing us to be like Christ. Being conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. Think about your trials and whatever you are encountering right now. And know that God is using them for your eternal benefit. One writer wrote the following. Life in our world can be difficult. At some point, most of us have wondered, where is God in my trouble? And we may have thought, it seems like injustice is winning and God is silent. But we have a choice as to how we respond to our troubles. And beloved, we do. Like Habakkuk, let us choose by God's grace to be patient. Due to the promise of God. And the promises that apply to us as they did Habakkuk in that time. I will wait for you. I will be patient. That was his confession from his heart. Based upon what God had told him. Now to another characteristic that we see in verses 17 and 18. Look what he goes on to say. Though the fig tree should not blossom, and there be no fruit on the vines. Though the yield of the olive should fail, and the fields produce no food. Though the flock should be cut off from the fold, and there be no cattle in the stalls Yet, I will exalt in the Lord. I will rejoice in the God of my salvation. What seems to be clear here? What's another characteristic? A believer committed to the will of God is characterized by praise. By praise. We see that right there in verse 18. So clearly. But I believe it is significant what precedes it in verse 17. Look at it again. Though the fig tree should not blossom and there be no fruit on the vines, though the yield of the olive should fail and the fields produce no food, though the flock should be cut off from the fold and there be no cattle in the stalls. I mean, this was an agrarian culture. Whose livelihood was in these things. What the prophet said he believed would happen. Not might happen, but would happen. Because of the covenant of the blessings and cursing spoken of by Moses in Deuteronomy 28 to 30. We don't have the time to go there this morning. But I would encourage you to read through Deuteronomy 28 to 30. What is said there permeates the whole Old Testament. The law of the blessings and cursings. Not only that, but Habakkuk's contemporary, which was Jeremiah, said the same thing. And I want you to look with me at what he said. In Jeremiah chapter 5, verses 14 to 19. Holding your space here, go with me to Jeremiah. Jeremiah 5. As I said, Jeremiah was a contemporary of Habakkuk. He was speaking to Judah as well before they were taken into exile. And this is what he said, beginning in verse 14. Therefore, thus says the Lord, the God of hosts, because you have spoken his word, behold, I am making my words in your mouth fire. That is God speaking to Jeremiah. And this people would, and it will consume them. Behold, I am bringing a nation against you from afar. O house of Israel, declares the Lord. It is an enduring nation. It is an ancient nation. A nation whose language you do not know. Nor can you understand what they say. Their quiver is like an open grave. All of them are mighty men. They will devour your harvest and your food. They will devour your sons and your daughters. They will devour your flocks and your herds. They will devour your vines and your fig trees. They will demolish with the sword your fortified cities in which you trust. Yet even in those days, declares the Lord, I will not make you a complete destruction. It shall come about when they say, why has the Lord our God done all these things to us? Then you shall say to them, as you have forsaken me and served foreign gods in your land, so you will serve strangers in a land that is not yours. And yet, beloved, in this predicament, Habakkuk said what? I will exalt, rejoice in the God of my salvation. Wow! How could he do this? How could he praise the Lord in the midst of all that? Well, it's because his eyes were not fixed on the circumstances around him, but on what? We talked about this last week. On the person of God. That's where his eyes were fixed. Not on the circumstances. They were on his personal Savior and Deliverer. That's what it says there. I will rejoice not in my circumstances, but in the God of my salvation. Yes, you see, it was in these moments that God was refining his people. He was bringing about repentance, renewal, restoration. It was about the eternal, not the temporal. And so Habakkuk could rejoice even though he did not like his situation. And he didn't. (laughs) There are many things that we are encountering that we do not like. But he rejoiced in God his savior who oversaw it all and was accomplishing his purposes. And again, last week we talked about the promises of God and we also talked about the person of God. And now this is being applied with Habakkuk through it all. Amen and amen. You know, beloved, I want to read verses 17 and 18. Given our circumstances today. Because we could sit here in the pews and go. Oh yeah that was then you know. and Wow that's something for Habakkuk. But let's read it given our circumstances. Though there be social injustice. And people treated poorly. Though there be COVID. And many people sick and dying. Though the government may be infringing upon people's rights and liberties and mandating the wearing of masks, I will exalt, rejoice in the God of my salvation. Now that takes a little bit closer to home, doesn't it? Yeah. Has this been your testimony? Ask your heart that question. Philippians 4.4. 4. Rejoice in the Lord sometimes. And again, I say rejoice. No, no. No. Yes. Rejoice in the Lord always. Always. I would say if you're not praising God from your lips, it could be you are not committed to his will in your heart. Yeah. Something to think about. Remember, Yahweh, the one true God of the Bible, is sovereign. And overseeing all the circumstances surrounding us today, He certainly is. We said an amen to that at the very beginning. Do you believe that? I trust you do. And you know something, beloved? It's not even close. Not even close to the devastation of Habakkuk's day. Basically, Christians today are crying over spilt milk. It's all about God refining the hearts of His people. And so this morning, examine yourselves and turn to praising Him. A believer committed to the will of God is characterized by patience and praise. So clear in this passage of scripture. From the man Habakkuk. But there's something else. One final characteristic that we see there in verse 19. What does he go on to say? The Lord God is my strength. And he has made my feet like hinds feet. And makes me walk on my high places. Again, what do you see here? What's another characteristic? A believer committed to the will of God is characterized by another P here, power, power. This verse actually recalls what David said in Psalm 18, verses 32 and 33. Listen, the God who girds me with strength and makes my way blameless. He makes my feet like hinds feet and sets me upon my high places. Amen. Though Habakkuk was physically and emotionally weak, and he was, especially after hearing the divine plan of God who's going to bring this out, he claimed that God was his strength, who would empower him through the trial ahead and carry him to glorious heights. Like a deer whose legs are strong and feet are sure-footed. We, we can identify with that, can't we? We see deer all the time bouncing around in the forest. And then all of a sudden dashing one way or the other. And then climbing up hills. It's the strength in their legs. And the sure-footedness of their feet. And so you see Habakkuk here using that image to declare that God gives us the same strength. You know, it seems that when God's people are weak, that is where he wants them. (laughs) It seems like when I read various passages of scripture where the writer is confessing their weakness, it's as though God wants them there. Why? Because it's there where they depend upon him and his strength and see them committed to his purposes. If everything is going well, <laughs> you won't know that strength. But when things are tough and you're at your lowest point, oh, you look up. And you depend upon him and say, oh, God, your will be done. A great illustration of this is actually found in 2 Corinthians 11 and 12. I want you to turn there. This is a very familiar text, I would say, to most of you. 2 Corinthians 11 and 12. 2 Corinthians 11. What you find here is Paul speaking out against false teachers. And we're coming in the middle of a context here, where he goes on and says this, beginning with verse 22. Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they descendants of Abraham? So am I. Are they servants of Christ? I speak as if insane. I more so. In far more labors, in far more imprisonments, beaten times without number, often in danger of death. Five times I received from the Jews 39 lashes. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned, three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I've spent in the deep. I've been on frequent journeys, in dangers from rivers, dangers from robbers, dangers from my countrymen, dangers from the Gentiles, dangers in the city, dangers in the wilderness, dangers on the sea, dangers among the false brethren. You almost get tired of reading this. You're going, wow. Then he goes on to say, in verse 27, I have been in labor and hardship through many sleepless nights and hunger and thirst, often without food in cold and exposure. Apart from such external things, there is the daily pressure on me of concern for all the churches. Who is weak without my being weak? Who is led into sin without my intense concern? And then notice what he says. Verse 30. If I have to boast, I will boast of what pertains to my strength. Weaknesses. Then you come to chapter 12, where he declares all these revelations that he has received about the third heaven. And he goes on in verse 7 to say this. Because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations. For this reason to keep me from exalting myself. There was given me a thorn in the flesh. A messenger of Satan to torment me. To keep me from exalting myself. God was in control of that. He allowed that to take place in his life. He brought him to a place of weakness. And of course, what did Paul do? He prayed. He turned to the Lord. Asked three times to be delivered. And the answer comes in verses 9 and 10. And he has said to me, My grace is sufficient for you. For power is perfected in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, I will rather boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. Therefore, I am well content with weaknesses, with insults, with distresses, with persecutions, with difficulties for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. And we can pop right on over to Philippians chapter 4. A great cross reference where it says these words in verses 11 to 13 of Philippians 4. Not that I speak from want, for I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I am. I know how to get along with humble means, and I also know how to live in prosperity. In any and every circumstance, I have learned The secret of being filled and going hungry. Both of having abundance and suffering need. And then that wonderful verse, verse 13, that many of us carry with us. We have memorized it. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Amen. And So beloved, no matter what circumstances you are facing in and around your life. You can be sure that God will sustain you by His power and grace as you look to Him. He will. So you can be committed to whatever plan He has ordained for your life. Like Habakkuk, like David, like Paul, so on and so forth. God is working in the hearts of God's people. People of faith. Go to Hebrews 11 sometime. And read how God worked in and through their life. They persevered because of God's strength in their hearts and lives. And so as you leave here today, I want you to say with the psalmist Asaph, Psalm 73, verses 25 and 26, Whom have I in heaven but you? And beside you I desire nothing on earth. My flesh and my heart may fail. But God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. By the way, we're going to look at that verse next week, that passage. Sort of as a transition from Habakkuk to Haggai the prophet in the next couple of weeks. You know, today you have observed three glorious characteristics about the prophet Habakkuk. A man who was committed to God's will. He learned to be patient in God, that's one. He was led to the praise of God, that's two. And he lived in the power of God. All three of those characteristics are found in this passage of Scripture. And as they were true of Habakkuk, they are true of us as we grow in faith. As our hearts are committed to the will of God, these things will pour forth from our lives As Wearsby once again, expressed about Habakkuk, these words. He taught us to face our doubts and questions honestly. Take them humbly to the Lord. Wait for his word to teach us. And then worship him no matter how we feel or what we see. God doesn't always change the circumstances. But he can and he does change us to meet the circumstances. Oh yes, he does. So may your Savior guide you in the same way to be people of faith in this lost, lost world. It is lost. Beloved, they don't understand the depths of all that's going on around them because they don't know God. We do. We do. We don't want to be responding the way the world does. We're to be a light shining forth the word of God. And then letting it work in our lives in such a way that it impacts the lives of others who are around us. The lost world. Who will ask the question, how do you seem to have so much peace? You seem to be so strong. That will open the door. To declare the gospel of God that changes their hearts. So that they too can know the patience of God. The praise of God and the power of God. So may that carry with you in the days and the months ahead. For God's glory. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. How wonderful it is to study this passage of scripture. A word that was shared by Habakkuk some 3,000 years ago. God, you're working in his heart in much the same way you're working in our hearts through our difficulties. Oh, God, may we realize that our situation is nowhere near the devastation of Habakkuk. But, oh, God, we want to be just as committed to your will in our hearts as he was. So, God, work in our hearts. May there be patience awaiting upon you due to the promises of your word. May we praise you for who you are, your person. And oh God, may we know your power for your glory in Jesus' name.